The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. C. diff, spores, and more is brought to you by Clorox Healthcare, trusted solutions for your infection prevention needs. Visit us on the web at cloroxhealthcare.com. Welcome to C. diff, spores, and more with your host, Nancy Kerala. We are here to discuss C. diff, healthcare-associated infections, and other related healthcare topics. Now, here's your host, Nancy Kerala. Welcome to C. diff, spores, and more, and to Season 3. We thank you for joining us today, and we are ready to kick off the new year and welcome you back. And we'd like to thank our sponsor, Clorox Healthcare, for making this program possible. Visit the Clorox Healthcare website to learn more about their products. Keeping environments safer, cloroxhealthcare.com forward slash Radio. Today we welcome our guest, Dr. Catherine Fleming Dutra, Medical Officer, CDC's Office of Antibiotic Stewardship. Dr. Fleming Dutra is a medical epidemiologist with the Office of Antibiotic Stewardship in the Division of Healthcare Quality Promotion at the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. Dr. Fleming Dutra is a pediatrician and pediatric emergency medicine doctor and has focused on infectious diseases, epidemiology, and antibiotic stewardship in the outpatient setting of her career at the CDC. So here is to discuss, Dr. uh, Fleming Dutra is going to discuss a prescription for overprescribing the key to fighting antibiotic resistance. At this time, I'd like to welcome our guest, Dr. Fleming Dutra, to the program. Welcome so much, Dr. Thank you so much for having me today. Oh, it's a pleasure. And thank you so much. And Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you all, too. Thank you. Well, doctor, you are the lead author on a recent study that was published in 2016 in the Journal of the American Medical Association on inappropriate antibiotic prescribing in outpatient settings. Can you give us some background on the study? Absolutely. So last May, CDC, in collaboration with the Pew Charitable Trust and other public health and medical experts, published a first-of-its-kind analysis on antibiotic prescribing in doctors' offices, emergency rooms, and hospital-based clinics here in the United States. So prior to this research, we knew that the U.S. had a really high rate of antibiotic use in prescribing in outpatient settings compared to other countries. And we knew that antibiotics are frequently used to treat respiratory infections, many of which don't need antibiotics. But beyond that, there was still a lot that we needed to learn. So the findings from this study really provided us with the answers that we still needed um, to identify the fraction of antibiotic prescribing in all outpatient settings um, that's unnecessary. And these new data um, were published in the Journal of the American Medical Association, or JAMA, and they showed that at least 30% of antibiotics prescribed in the United States are unnecessary or not needed at all. Okay, and doctor, what makes this study particularly significant? 
So this study analyzed antibiotic prescribing in doctor's offices and emergency departments throughout the United States. And so that was really important because it gave us this national picture. And about, um, and of those um, visits to doctor's offices and emergency departments throughout the U.S., about 13% of all of these visits resulted in antibiotic prescription. And this equates to 154 million antibiotic prescriptions per year written in these settings. So this really gave us um, an estimate of where we are with antibiotic prescribing and, and where we can hope to go. Okay. And Dr. Um, does this mean that one out of every two patients in the U.S. is really getting an antibiotic every year? So this means that on average, um, when you do the math, that one out of two people on average is getting prescribed an antibiotic during an office or emergency department visit. But in reality, it's not really um, that. Some patients receive no antibiotics in a year, and some people are, are receiving several. So it's really just an average. In 2010 and 11, in the National Ambulatory Medical Care Survey, or NAMSIS, and the National Hospital Ambulatory Medical Care Survey, or NHAMSIS, data sets, which were the data sets that we used for this analysis. And we used those years because they were the two most recent years available in the data sets at the time of the analysis. An estimated 1.2 billion ambulatory care visits occurred um, annually. And so on average, again, four ambulatory care visits occurred for each person in the U.S. Um, And of all these visits to doctor's offices and emergency departments, 12.6% resulted in antibiotic prescriptions. And this equates to 154 million antibiotic prescriptions written annually in these settings. And these findings remain consistent with other more recent data sets that include antibiotic prescribing rates. And so it's important to note that these data sets um, used in this analysis are not representative of all outpatient settings. Um, If we take into account all outpatient settings in, in 2011, there were actually over 260 million antibiotic prescriptions dispensed in the U.S. community pharmacies, which equates to four antibiotics for every five people in the U.S. per year. That's a lot of antibiotics, doctor. Yes, so, it is. Yeah. Um, okay. So how did you determine that 30% of antibiotics are unnecessary and what process was used? So first, we looked at the reasons the antibiotics are being prescribed. For what diagnosis and to whom? So to kids, to adults, and to older adults. And for each of the diagnosis and age groups, we set targets based on national recommendations for when antibiotics should be used. And we base these on clinical practice guidelines um, that national healthcare professional organizations are issuing. So, for example, there are some conditions for which antibiotics are almost always needed. So, like urinary tract infections or pneumonia, when these conditions are correctly diagnosed. So, we considered antibiotics for these conditions to be necessary, and we didn't target any reductions for those. We found that many antibiotics are being prescribed for respiratory conditions caused by viruses, so things like the common cold or bronchitis, which don't respond to antibiotics. And for these conditions, antibiotics should not be used. So we set the target as zero or no antibiotics. And so for sore throats, um, also called pharyngitis, healthcare providers can use strep thro- or a test for strep throat, which can be used to determine if that bacterial infection strep throat is present or not. And using that test, providers can use the test to figure out if an antibiotic is needed. And so we set our target at the number of antibiotic prescriptions that would be needed if everyone followed the guidelines of when to test and use the test results to decide to prescribe an antibiotic or not. So, and then it's also important to realize that even some bacterial infections, um, particularly some sinus and ear infections, can get better without antibiotics. So, for conditions like those, we use the region of the country that prescribes the least amount of antibiotics for these conditions as our target. 
And we think that that's um, perhaps an overestimate because we know there's evidence of overuse in these better performing regions. But we think that they're at least conservative and achievable targets. And so then we put all of this together um, by age and by, by diagnosis, and we were able to come up with this overall target for how many um, antibiotic prescriptions are unnecessary. Okay, and doctor, why is it unnecessary antibiotic use a problem? So the life-saving benefits of antibiotics in medicine and public health are undeniable. Antibiotics are really miracle drugs. And for bacterial diseases um, that were once deadly before antibiotics, they're now treatable. And this is really important. And they are important to crucial, they're an important and crucial adjunct to modern medical advances. They allow us to do surgeries and medical treatments for a variety of serious illnesses. And so antibiotics are really critical. And we've got to save them because they're important um, for modern medicine. But because they're life-saving medicines, antibiotic resistance is one of the most pressing public health threats of our time. And the major driver of, the, of antibiotic resistance that's really easiest for us to change is antibiotic use. And so that's why it's so important to only use antibiotics when needed, because by doing that, we can slow the emergence of antibiotic resistance and keep these life-saving medicines working longer. Exactly. And doctor, don't we need antibiotics to get better when we're sick? Not always. So antibiotics can treat bacterial infections. And for those infections, they really do work very well um, if you're using the right antibiotic at the right drug and the right, or the right antibiotic at the right dose and for the right duration. But antibiotics don't work for everything. So antibiotics don't work for viral infections like the common cold and bronchitis. They won't make you better any faster. Um, they don't work for things that are not infections. So um, conditions like asthma exacerbations or allergies, um, when they don't come with a bacterial infection, antibiotics don't help at all because that's not what they do. Exactly. Viruses, they don't work on viruses, do they? No, they do not. No. So, Doctor, why should we be concerned about antibiotic resistance? Antibiotic, again, like I said, antibiotic resistance is really one of the most pressing public health threats of our time. And CDC estimates that 2 million illnesses and 23,000 deaths a year are caused by antibiotic-resistant infections in the U.S. And antibiotic-resistant infections cost an estimated um, $20 billion annually in excess direct health care costs. And so, and, and even beyond just the you know, the cost, antibiotic-resistant infections can be more difficult to treat. Um, and when we do have to pull alternative antibiotics off the shelf to treat antibiotic-resistant infections, those antibiotics are often more costly and sometimes more toxic to the patient. So it's really important that um, we use them only when needed. And antibiotics can also lead to other, um, other problems. So antibiotic related adverse events such as allergic reactions, um, and another antibiotic-resistant infection um, like Clostridium difficile, which is the sometimes deadly diarrhea. So for all these reasons, it's so important um, to use antibiotics only when needed. Exactly. And thank you so much, Doctor, for sharing this information with our global listeners. Uh, We are going to pause for a commercial break. When we return, we will continue learning more about a prescription for overprescribing, the key to fighting antibiotic resistance with Dr. Catherine Fleming Dutra. Please stay tuned. We'll be back after these messages. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. 
the CDF Foundation offers global community support sessions. CDF can affect anyone at any age at any location in the world. Receive support from topic experts sharing information on nutrition, mental health, C. difficile prevention, treatments, and environmental safety, as well as learn about upcoming events, teleconferences, and support sessions. To register for a session, call the C. diff Foundation at 1-844-4-C-DIFF. 1-844-367-2343 or visit us on the web at cdifffoundation.org. Support is just a phone call or mouse click away. Because C. difficile lives on surfaces for weeks, because it infects nearly 500,000 Americans yearly, you need disinfectants you can trust. Clorox Healthcare bleach products, cited by more studies to kill C. diff than any other products. EPA registered to kill C. diff in as fast as three minutes. Trusted disinfectants to kill C. diff spores in hospitals, because even one C. diff infection is too many. Learn more at CloroxHealthcare.com. Have you done any of these things today? Exited a restroom? Entered and exited a patient's room? Visited a doctor's office? Have you done this today? washed your hands. Hand washing remains the single most important task of the day. It takes soap, water, a minimum of 30 seconds, and a clean dry towel to turn off faucets and dry hands to stop giving germs a free ride. Keep safe from germs worldwide. Hand washing, number one in infection prevention. For additional information on hand washing instructions, visit cdifffoundation.org. You are listening to C. diff, spores, and more. If you have a question, please send an email to info at cdifffoundation.org. Now, back to our program. Here again is your host, Nancy Kerala. Welcome back to C. diff, spores, and more, Global Broadcasting Network. We welcome our listeners joining us today, and it's a pleasure to reintroduce our guest, Dr. Catherine Fleming Dutra, Medical Officer, CDC's Office of Antibiotic Stewardship, here to discuss a prescription for overprescribing, the key to fighting antibiotic resistance. Welcome back to the program, Doctor. Dr. Dutra? Thank you. Okay, I thought I lost you. Well, before the break, we were discussing a study that was published in the um, Journal of the American Medical Association on inappropriate antibiotic prescribing in outpatient settings and the background of the study. Um, Would you mind um, having a uh, different discussion on what factors did you look at in the study? So there's several things that we looked at in the study. Um, So we really wanted to understand the current prescribing patterns, antibiotic prescribing patterns, and identify areas for improvement. So we used a data set called the National Ambulatory Medical Care Survey and the National Hospital Ambulatory Medical Care Survey from 2010 and 2011, which were the two most recent years of data available when we did this analysis. And we looked at the number of outpatient visits resulting in antibiotic prescriptions, and we looked at it by age group, so for children, for adults, and for older adults. By region of the country, we looked at four census regions, so the South, the Midwest, the Northeast, and um, the West. And then we looked at it for particular diagnoses. Um, And in particular, that was important because um, by diagnoses, we can decide whether these antibiotic prescriptions were necessary or unnecessary. Okay. And doctor, what patterns did you see? So 
we saw a number of different patterns. Um, we saw that prescribing patterns show distinct variations by age. Um, children younger than two receive the most antibiotics, um, averaging just over one prescription per child per year. Um, I'm a pediatrician, and so I'm uh, well familiar with that trend. Um, but we also saw that adults receive the highest number of antibiotics, um, the highest volume of antibiotic prescriptions, which makes sense because there's more adults in the population. But that's important for us to, um, to see and to um, to clearly communicate because it makes it clear that we can't leave any groups out. We need healthcare providers who treat patients from of all ages, from um, from little children to the oldest adults, to use antibiotics appropriately. Another pattern that we saw was that we found that the South has the highest per capita antibiotic prescribing rates, um, higher than the Midwest, the Northeast, and the West. Um, the West has the least antibiotic prescribing. Using these data, set, we, these data sets, we weren't able to examine state-level antibiotic prescribing rates, um, but in other data sets, we see the same pattern, that southern states have the highest prescribing and western states have the lowest. Now, that's interesting data right there. Yes, it is. Okay, so doctor, what conditions and symptoms were most commonly treated with the antibiotics when they weren't really necessary? So we found that acute respiratory conditions really constitute the lion's share of these unnecessary antibiotic prescriptions. So 44% of outpatient antibiotic prescriptions are written for acute respiratory um, conditions, um, and these include conditions like sinusitis, ear infections, the common cold, bronchitis, sore throats, um, and really about half of those um, prescriptions for these respiratory conditions were not necessary. Um, and so, again, um, of particular concern were the antibiotic prescriptions written for the common cold, which doesn't respond to antibiotics. Antibiotics aren't needed and they don't work. For sore throats caused by viruses and for um, bronchitis, um, which, again, doesn't respond to antibiotics. And then we also saw that... Um, there's overprescribing for sinus and ear infections. And many people don't know this, but even some sinus and ear infections can resolve without antibiotics. So those are also important targets to improve antibiotic prescribing for. Exactly. And doctor, that's a lot of illnesses and symptoms that didn't warrant antibiotics. So what conditions never require antibiotics? So viral upper respiratory infections, um, which are what doctors call the common cold, never require antibiotics. These are caused by viruses. Antibiotics don't help. They won't make you better faster. Bronchitis is another one that doesn't require antibiotic treatments in otherwise healthy adults. Um, it's caused most often by viruses, but re regardless of the cause um, in acute bronchitis, um, antibiotics don't work. They don't help make you better faster. Influenza is caused by the virus influenza. Antibiotics aren't needed. Something we... Um, doctors called non-separative otitis media, which basically means just fluid in your middle ear, doesn't need antibiotic treatments. Um, and, and the reason is because all these conditions I've just talked about are caused by viruses and not bacteria, so antibiotics don't help. We also looked at a couple of conditions like asthma and allergy um, that don't need antibiotics because they're not even infections. Um, so antibiotics um, don't help with these conditions either. Okay, thank you for sharing that. And, Dr., can you tell us when is an antibiotic truly needed? So there are some conditions which almost always weren't antibiotics. Um, and we make this decision, or we made this decision in the analysis based on national clinical practice guidelines, such as those by national professional societies, um, societies like the American Academy of Pediatrics or the American College of Physicians, um, and the Infectious Diseases Society of America. So these societies put out guidelines, and they say when antibiotics are needed, which antibiotic, et cetera. 
and they include conditions including pneumonia, urinary tract infections, and a group that in this analysis we called the miscellaneous bacterial infections. But these really include um, bacterial infections that you might know by name. So things like chlamydia or gonorrhea or pertussis. When those conditions are diagnosed, um, antibiotics should be, should be used and they are indicated. And our target in this analysis was really no reduction um, for these types of conditions, pneumonia and urinary tract infections, because antibiotics are warranted. These are bacterial um, infections. But we assumed um, in this analysis that these conditions were appropriately diagnosed, and we really didn't have a way to make sure that the diagnosis was correct. But we actually know that that's a, that's a real issue in clinical practice, um, that sometimes those diagnoses are used when they're not correct. And so that's a limitation of our analysis. But assuming that the diagnosis of urinary tract infection is correctly made or that pneumonia is correctly made, then antibiotics are needed for these conditions because they are bacterial infections. Exactly. And doctor, they have the um, diagnostics now that can help the doctors uh, differentiate between virus and, and bacterial infections, correct? There are some that are available that can help um, doctors and clinicians distinguish. Um, so, for example, the rapid strep test and, um, is a very helpful test that can help clinicians determine if a sore throat is caused by um, group A streptococcus, um, or if it's meaning it's strep throat, or if it's not. Um, so that's a very useful um, diagnostic that can be used um, in outpatient clinics to determine if it's strep throat or it's not strep throat. And, and then based on that test, um, clinicians can decide if antibiotics are needed or not needed. But there's a lot of other conditions in which we don't have a good test. So we really don't have a good test in sinusitis or ear infections um, to decide if it's viral or it's bacterial. But that being said, these national clinical practice guidelines help clinicians um, make that decision. They have a set of criteria, if that makes sense, that help clinicians know when antibiotics are needed and and when they can wait and watch um, without antibiotics. That's wonderful. Thanks so much, Doctor, for sharing this with everyone today listening. And we are going to pause for a brief commercial break. When we return, we will continue learning more about a prescription for overprescribing the key to fighting antibiotic resistance with Dr. Fleming Dutra. Stay tuned. We'll be right back after these messages. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. To help support the CDF Foundation, please visit our website, cdifffoundation.org forward slash donate or call toll free 1 844 4CDF. That's 1 367 2343. Join us in our fight against C. diff and help us continue our mission of educating and advocating for C. diff infection prevention, treatments, and environmental safety worldwide. Through your continued support, we can continue raising C. diff awareness and help save lives. Donate today. Visit cdifffoundation.org. Thank you. Because C. difficile lives on surfaces for weeks, because it infects nearly 500,000 Americans yearly, you need disinfectants you can trust. Clorox Healthcare bleach products, cited by more studies to kill C. diff than any other products, EPA registered to kill C. diff in as fast as three minutes, trusted disinfectants to kill C. diff spores in hospitals, because even one C. diff infection is too many. Learn more at CloroxHealthcare.com. 
Have you done any of these things today? Exited a restroom? Entered and exited a patient's room? Visited a doctor's office? Have you done this today? Washed your hands? Hand washing remains the single most important task of the day. It takes soap, water, a minimum of 30 seconds, and a clean dry towel to turn off faucets and dry hands to stop giving germs a free ride. Keep safe from germs worldwide. Hand washing, number one in infection prevention. For additional information on hand washing instructions, visit cdifffoundation.org. You are listening to C. diff, spores, and more. If you have a question, please send an email to info at cdifffoundation.org. Now, back to our program. Here again is your host, Nancy Kerala. Welcome back to C. diff, spores, and more, Global Broadcasting Network. We welcome our listeners joining us today, and it's a pleasure to reintroduce our guest, Dr. Catherine Fleming Dutra, Medical Officer, CDC's Office of Antibiotic Stewardship, here to discuss a prescription for overprescribing the key to fighting antibiotic resistance. Welcome back to the program, Doctor. Thank you. Before the break, we were sharing, you were sharing key points about when an antibiotic is truly necessary and the symptoms and conditions antibiotics treat. How does the U.S. prescribing rate compare to other countries at this time? So actually, in the U.S., we have a fairly high prescribing rate compared to other countries. So for example, um, compared to Europe as a whole, we prescribe quite a lot more antibiotics than they do um, for outpatients or um, patients visiting doctor's offices and emergency departments and urgent cares and things like that. So if we look at Sweden, um, which is one of the countries in Europe that has the lowest antibiotic prescribing rates, they actually prescribe one-half to one-third the amount of antibiotics per capita as we do here in the U.S. And Sweden has been working a long time to improve their antibiotic prescribing, um, and they're continuing to work on improving their antibiotic prescribing. Um, even though it's so much lower than ours, they feel that they still have room to improve, that there's still antibiotics used unnecessarily. But it's also interesting to see that Sweden has very low rates of antibiotic-resistant infections. Um, and like I said, they've been working actively to reduce their unnecessary antibiotic use for many years, and their hard work really has paid off. Um, and so in the U.S., we really have a long way to go, and we think we can really improve the way antibiotics are prescribed in this country. Exactly. And with you just doing this program and getting the word out is a big help and, and everything that you do at the CDC and the CDC does for everybody. Um, it all, everyone works together at this and we thank you for that. Thank you. And we appreciate your work as well. Um, thank you. And in the U.S. has some work to do. We know that. And why do you think antibiotics are being prescribed more so here than in other countries? And when are they needed? So I think um, to answer the first question, um, there's probably many reasons um, that clinicians prescribe antibiotics um, when they don't need to. Um, and there's been lots of you know, questions about why that might be. Um, it looks like, um, at least in the outpatient setting, so in clinics and emergency departments, for the most part, for these common conditions like the common cold or sinusitis or bronchitis, clinicians know what they're supposed to do. They know when antibiotics are needed and they're not needed. So for the most part, it's not an issue of knowledge. But there's other reasons that they prescribe antibiotics um, when they shouldn't um, or when they know they shouldn't. And one reason that healthcare providers and clinicians really talk a lot about um, prescribing antibiotics when they aren't needed is, is really patient satisfaction. Um, and so patients or clinicians are really worried about um, patients being un- not satisfied with their visit or with their care when they don't get antibiotics. 
So clinicians sometimes think that patients want antibiotics. They want their patients to be satisfied with the care, and that sometimes leads them to prescribe when they know they shouldn't. But it's interesting. Um, clinicians actually aren't that good at determining whether patients want antibiotics or not. Um, and so sometimes they're thinking a patient wants antibiotics even when the patient doesn't truly want antibiotics. But regardless, whether or not the patient wants an antibiotic, most patients can be satisfied without them as long as the clinician can really communicate with them why they don't need the antibiotic, what they can do to feel better, and when they should come back if they're not getting better. And that is really interesting because there have been studies that have actually looked at training um, clinicians about how to communicate effectively with, pa- per, with their patients. And, it, and it, those studies show that good communication can really help improve antibiotic prescribing. If providers can effectively communicate with their patients those, those points, um, then the patients um, are still satisfied and providers do better. They prescribe antibiotics more appropriately if they can communicate that effectively. That's wonderful, and that's a great plus for the clinicians and the patients working together. Exactly. So moving forward, doctor, how will this data be used to improve overall antibiotic use? Well, I think first it's important to sort of start with why we needed to get this data. So the White House actually established a goal um, to improve outpatient antibiotic use, and that was set in the National Action Plan for Combating Antibiotic-Resistant Bacteria, which we often call the CARB plan. Um, and their goal was that by 2020, there needs to be a reduction of inappropriate outpatient antibiotic use by 50%. And the key word here is inappropriate. Um, and so this analysis was really important because we didn't know what fraction of antibiotic prescribing and outpatient setting was inappropriate or unnecessary, what fraction we could really hope to reduce. And this analysis in this paper helped us put that White House goal into context. So now, based on this paper, we know that at least 30% of outpatient antibiotic use is unnecessary, and that means that in order to achieve that White House goal, we need to reduce overall outpatient antibiotic use by 15%, or half of the unnecessary 30% by 2020. So this study is really going to help us serve as a benchmark for measuring progress in antibiotic stewardship in the outpatient healthcare setting moving forward. And Congress has really recognized the urgent need to combat antibiotic resistance and has appropriated um, funding to CDC to implement that national action plan um, for combating antibiotic-resistant bacteria. And with these funds, CDC is accelerating outbreak detection and prevention in every state. We're enhancing tracking of resistant mechanisms and resistant infections. We're supporting innovative research to address current gaps in knowledge. And we're improving antibiotic um, prescribing and use through antibiotic stewardship. That's wonderful. And congratulations on that. That's a big step forward. Thank you. And, Doctor, besides the, um, the, what the CDC has already implemented, what else uh, is the CDC doing to improve antibiotic use? So we have a new office, well, relatively new office of antibiotic stewardship that's working across the spectrum of human health care to improve antibiotic use. Um, we're tracking antibiotic prescribing at the national level through studies like this and, and through other mechanisms. We help provide tools for appropriate antibiotic use to healthcare providers that can be used in outpatient settings and across the spectrum of healthcare. In particular, in the outpatient setting, we recently re- released in November the core elements of outpatient antibiotic stewardship, um, which help complement the core elements of hospital. Um, for hospital antibiotic stewardship programs and the core elements for antibiotic stewardship in nursing homes. So really across the 
um, the spectrum of healthcare, helping um, providers and facilities understand what do they need to do to help improve antibiotic prescribing. We're helping raise the general public's awareness about antibiotic resistance and appropriate antibiotic use. Um, and we're providing assistance to state and local health departments to measure and improve antibiotic use within their jurisdictions. And finally, we're engaging a lot of stakeholders, health systems, healthcare professional societies, payers, quality um, organizations, and advocacy groups. And I also want to um, just get back to that public awareness um, piece for a second and talk about our Get Smart Know and Antibiotics Work Program. CDC has actually been working on improving outpatient antibiotic use for, for many years. And um, in an effort to improve antibiotic use in the community and to reduce antibiotic resistance, CDC launched the National Campaign for Appropriate Antibiotic Use in the Community in the, um, the mid-1990s, and that became, um, in the early 2000s, the Get Smart Know and Antibiotics Work Campaign. And that program really works closely with a variety of partners to reduce unnecessary antibiotic use in the community by increasing awareness about antibiotic resistance and the importance of appropriate antibiotic use, both among healthcare providers and among the general public. Exactly. And doctor, we can't stress enough how awesome the uh, programs and tools uh, and the campaigns that um, you and the CDC have in place, um, how outstanding they are and how helpful they are, not only to, like you said, the clinicians and healthcare industry and professionals, but right down to the communities and the, and the individuals and patients. So we commend you on all that. And we also you know, um, we we work with uh, the you know, the Get Smart program, and we partner uh, in raising awareness and and help um, get the word out to the communities. So we're very grateful for that. Wonderful. I'm glad that you do that, and I suspect as part of your partnership, you're part of Get Smart about Antibiotics Week. Absolutely. Um, which is a um, you know observance that we hold every November um, to really engage stakeholders um, like your foundation, other professional societies, advocacy groups, um, lots of different types of um, partners to help raise raise awareness. And um, through the, out the week, CDC implements a number of communication activities to educate both healthcare providers and the public about the harmful um, impact of inappropriately using antibiotics. And you may um, be well aware, but this is really a global effort. And um, Get Smart About Antibiotics Week coincides with the World Health Organization's World Antibiotic Awareness Week and with the European Antibiotic Awareness Day. So we've, we're all working together to improve antibiotic use. Exactly. And November is Raising C. Diff Awareness Month, and it coincides with the Get Smart campaign and the global efforts. So, and that's why I say we all, we're all working in the same direction with the same focus, and it's awesome. And thank you so much for that. Great. Yep. And doctor, how can patients and the public health um, help to improve antibiotic prescribing? So patients and the public can really um, be, they're very important in this role. So, um, we encourage patients, we strongly encourage patients to take an active um, role in their health care. Um, and it's important that patients communicate effectively with their doctor and with their um, health care providers. We've already talked about how that, that effective communication can really help improve antibiotic prescribing. So from the patient side, they can ask their healthcare um, providers um, when antibiotics are needed and when they're not. So they know, they really understand um, if they need an antibiotic um, and when they don't need an antibiotic. They can talk to their healthcare providers about antibiotic resistance. Let them know that they're concerned about it. Let them know that that's on their mind. Patients should never pressure their healthcare providers to prescribe antibiotics, either for yourself or for your child. Um, but instead, we encourage patients to ask what they can do to feel better and to relieve their symptoms. 
for most patients and parents, this is really what they want. They want to get better and they want to relieve um, the symptoms while they're getting better. And so that's really, um, we hope patients will really focus on asking that question. What can I do to feel better? What can I do to relieve my symptoms? And then it's also really important to just try to stay healthy. So if you keep yourself and your family healthy through preventing the spread of germs, so um, simple things like washing your hands, um, covering your coughs and sneezes, staying home when you feel sick, and very importantly, getting your recommended vaccines like your flu vaccine and um, pneumococcal vaccines and all of the childhood vaccines. And then when an antibiotic is prescribed, um, it's important to take it exactly as directed. Um, never save it for later and never share it with someone else. Um, so that's, that's really important. And just to get back to that vaccine thing, um, it's important to take all your recommended vaccine, and there are vaccines recommended for both children and for adults. So um, it's important to do that. Exactly. And thank you, doctor, for sharing that with everyone. And doctor, what can clinicians do to improve antibiotic prescribing? So clinicians can do a number of things, and really clinicians have the power of the pen. They're the ones that are prescribing antibiotics. Um, So as I mentioned earlier, CDC um, in November released the core elements for outpatient antibiotic stewardship, and these are really a set of guidelines or a framework um, for improving antibiotic use um, in outpatient facilities. And antibiotic stewardship um, is a word I've been using, um, but just to be very clear what that is, it's the effort to measure and improve antibiotic use. And so we really hope that clinicians across the spectrum of healthcare, including outpatient clinicians, will um, look to these core elements. There's um, one for hospitals, one for nursing homes, and now for outpatient clinicians to, to implement that framework of how they can improve antibiotic prescribing. The elements include commitment, so committing to use antibiotics appropriately and to improve antibiotic use, action for policy and practice, so taking actions that can help improve antibiotic use, tracking antibiotic prescribing and reporting that back to clinicians, so it's called tracking and reporting, and then education and expertise, making sure that clinicians are educating their patients and educating themselves about antibiotic, um, appropriate antibiotic use and um, having um, access to the appropriate expertise to help them improve antibiotic prescribing. And that entire document can be found on CDC's Get Smart website. And you know, just a couple of other simple strategies that healthcare providers can follow, um, and always should follow. Um, it goes without saying, but only prescribe antibiotics when they're needed. And if needed, select the right antibiotic at the right dose for the right duration. We've talked a lot about unnecessary antibiotic use today, but there's also inappropriate antibiotic use if the wrong antibiotic is selected or the wrong dose is used or the wrong duration um, of treatment is used. Clinicians can continuously reevaluate their antibiotic prescribing to make sure it's in line with national guidelines and recent evidence. Things change, and so it's important for clinicians to keep up with those updated guidelines and evidence. And we can help with that. Um, CDC helps compile those national guidelines for common outpatient infections, and that's available on our website at www.cdc.gov. Patients can talk to their patients about when antibiotics are needed, when they're not needed, um, about possible harms from antibiotics, such as allergic reactions and clostridium difficile infections, about antibiotic resistance. And when antibiotics aren't needed, clinicians can provide recommendations on how the patients can feel better, what to expect from their illness, and when they should come back or seek medical care if they aren't getting better or if they're getting worse. Exactly, doctor. And thank you so much. And doctor, what recommendations do you have for future research as a result of this study? So again, I mentioned that um, we really only focused on unnecessary antibiotic use in this study, instances in which antibiotics weren't needed at all. But we know that inappropriate antibiotic use is actually a lot broader than that. and includes when an antibiotic is needed, but the wrong antibiotic is chosen. So inappropriate selection, or when the dose that's used isn't correct 
or when the antibiotic is used for too long or too short a time. And so um, those are other issues surrounding inappropriate use that need to be addressed and can be improved. And so in October um, of 2016, we actually released a second report or publication um, that was a follow-up to this initial one we're talking about that looked at the state of antibiotic selection in the U.S. for three very common infections, sinus infections, um, middle ear infections, and um, sore throats um, or pharyngitis. These infections account for almost 45 million antibiotic prescriptions per year. And we looked to see if when an antibiotic is prescribed for those conditions if patients are getting the guideline-recommended first-line agent. So the, the antibiotic that should be used first for these conditions based on these national clinical practice guidelines. And we found that really only about half of the patients with these infections receive these first-line recommended antibiotics um, based on the guidelines. We actually think probably at least 80% of these patients should be receiving those first-line antibiotics. So that's an example of the next steps that we have to take to address inappropriate antibiotic um, prescribing in the outpatient setting, um, really from a more holistic um, standpoint. Well, thank you so much, doctor, and uh, thank you for sharing the inf- information and the important highlights of uh, the study with our listeners today. We're going to pause for a brief commercial break, and when we return, we will continue learning more about a prescription for overprescribing, the key to fighting antibiotic resistance. Please stand, stay tuned. We'll be back after these messages. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. To help support the C. diff foundation, please visit our website, cdifffoundation.org forward slash donate or call toll free 1-844-4-C-DIFF. That's 1-844-367-2343. Join us in our fight against C. diff and help us continue our mission of educating and advocating for C. diff infection prevention, treatments, and environmental safety worldwide. Through your continued support, we can continue raising C. diff awareness and help save lives. Donate today. Visit cdifffoundation.org. Thank you. Because C. difficile lives on surfaces for weeks, because it infects nearly 500,000 Americans yearly, you need disinfectants you can trust. Clorox Healthcare bleach products, cited by more studies to kill C. diff than any other products. EPA registered to kill C. diff in as fast as three minutes. Trusted disinfectants to kill C. diff spores in hospitals, because even one C. diff infection is too many. Learn more at CloroxHealthcare.com. Have you done any of these things today? Exited a restroom? Entered and exited a patient's room? Visited a doctor's office? Have you done this today? Washed your hands? Hand washing remains the single most important task of the day. It takes soap, water, a minimum of 30 seconds, and a clean dry towel to turn off faucets and dry hands to stop giving germs a free ride. Keep safe from germs worldwide. Hand washing, number one in infection prevention. For additional information on handwashing instructions, visit cdifffoundation.org. Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You 
You are listening to C. diff spores and more. If you have a question, please send an email to info at cdifffoundation.org. Now back to our program. Here again is your host, Nancy Kerala. Welcome back to C. diff spores and more global broadcasting network. And we welcome our listeners joining us today. It's a pleasure to reintroduce our guest, Dr. Catherine Fleming Dutra, Medical Officer, CDC's Office of Antibiotic Stewardship. Welcome back to the program, Doctor. Dr. Fleming Dutra? Thank you so much. Oh, you're welcome. Before break, you provided key points on how patients, clinicians, and the public can help improve antibiotic prescribing. And you also mentioned some very concerning facts about antibiotic resistance earlier in the program. What do we all need to know about antibiotic resistance? I mean, as we talked about earlier, antibiotic resistance is really a major public health threat. It's one of the most pressing public health threats of our time, and we should all be informed about it. Antibiotics are important medicines. They're life-saving. They fight infections caused by bacteria. And and because of that, they they can um, treat and prevent infections, and that allows us to make many um, advanced medical, much of advanced medical care possible. Things like transplants and cancer chemotherapy, because we can tre- um, treat and prevent infections, bacterial infections in patients undergoing those um, medical treatments. And everyone needs to know that um, that antibiotics don't work to fight infections that are caused by viruses like colds, bronchitis, and sore throats, and the flu. Um, and that's really important because antibiotics, the, the, most, the thing that we can do the most to fight antibiotic resistance, to combat the spread of antibiotic resistance, is to improve the way we use antibiotics because just using antibiotics can lead to antibiotic resistance. So that's why it's so important that we use the antibiotics um, only when needed and when we do need them to use them correctly. Because antibiotic resistance is never far behind the introduction of new antibiotics. Bacteria are constantly finding a way to develop resistance to the antibiotics we have. And so, therefore, we have to act now. We always um, and will always need to use those antibiotics that we have appropriately. So, um, again, antibiotics are one of our most precious life-saving tools. And so, they really, they shouldn't be squandered. And it's important to keep that in mind that um, you know, we need to use them appropriately. And also that no medicine's perfect. There's always risk involved. So even beyond antibiotic resistance, we worry about antibiotic-associated adverse events, things like rashes and diarrhea, but also allergic reactions that can even be life-threatening and C. difficile infections. Um, and so it's really important that we use antibiotics only when needed and when needed to use them correctly at the right antibiotic at the right dose for the right duration. Exactly. And doctor, I'm just going to... Um input this here uh, while we were discussing this. Uh, Patients and um, everyone in the community needs to realize that when we talk about antibiotics, we're not just talking about IV antibiotics and oral antibiotics. We're talking about eye drops, topical, creams, anything that the doctor orders that has an antibiotic, it is an antibiotic. It is all forms, correct? Yes, antibiotic use... um in, in any form can lead to antibiotic resistance. Um, certainly the most concerning are those that are systemic, so things like oral antibiotics or IV antibiotics um, because they affect your whole body, but antibiotic use anywhere can lead to antibiotic resistance. So it's important that all antibiotics are used only when needed. Thank you. Thank you so much for that. And doctor, before we close the program, uh, what, is, what is the overarching message about antibiotic use 
that our global listeners need to take away from this conversation today? So the one thing that I hope they take away from is that um, antibiotic resistance is a very important and pressing public health threat and that simply using antibiotics can create resistance. Um, And so in order to combat, combat antibiotic resistance, we have to use antibiotics appropriately. Only take them when they're needed. And when they're needed, use the right antibiotic at the right dose and for the right duration. Thank you so much again, Doctor, and thank you for joining us today on the CDIP Spores and More Global Broadcasting Network to discuss a prescription for overprescribing the key to fighting antibiotic resistance. Do you have any closing statements you'd like to add before we close the program? Um, again, um, you know, just what I said before that antibiotic resistance is such an important public health threat, and we've, in order to combat it, we've got to use antibiotics appropriately. So only take them when they're needed and when needed. Take the right or use the right antibiotic at the right dose and for the right duration. And I really appreciate y'all um, having me today, and um, it was really my pleasure to be here. So thank you so much for that. Well, thank you so much, Doctor. We really appreciate you being here, and we have learned a great deal from this discussion. And we are truly grateful for the time and effort you and your colleagues have spent developing this episode, which carries an important message to our global listeners today. Please join us every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time with healthcare and corporate topic experts here to discuss up-to-date information and focuses on C. difficile infection prevention, treatments, environmental safety, and much more. Once again, we thank our official sponsor, Clorox Healthcare, for making this program possible. Please visit their website, cloroxhealthcare.com forward slash C. radio. We send out our get well wishes to all patients being treated and recovering from a C. difficile infection, and to many wellness-training illnesses being combated across the globe. I'm your host, Nancy Corrala, with our reminder that none of us can do this alone. All of us can do this together. Thank you so much for joining us and, and each week here on C. diff spores and more. And we invite you to please visit our website at cdifffoundation.org. And for answers to your questions, contact us by email or call us toll free. UNES hotline is one 844 cdif and our international callers is one 1512 Information and support are only a mouse click or call away. We wish you good health and a good day, and thank you for joining us. Thank you for tuning in this week for C. diff, spores, and more. Be sure to join your host, Nancy Kerala, again next Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time. That's 1 p.m. Eastern Time for another edition of our program on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. None of us can do this alone. All of us can do this together. C. diff, spores, and more is brought to you by Clorox Healthcare, trusted solutions for your infection prevention needs. Visit us on the web at cloroxhealthcare.com. 